0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Genesis chapter 39. There is a lot going on in this chapter. You could read this chapter as an object lesson in resisting temptation, You could read it as an example of how God purifies and prepares his people, or you could read it as a further illustration of the blessing that is carried within Abraham's line. All of that is true, and all of that commends repeated telling and hearing of this story by God's people. Towards that end, we begin reading the text at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, Now, the key line in that paragraph, obviously, is in the first part of verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. Now, that's not a promise. It's a statement of fact. God was with Joseph, and as a result, he became successful. Potiphar noticed that. This this non-Yahwist man noticed that Joseph was blessed because Yahweh, the Lord, was with him, just like Abimelech and Phicol had noticed it back in Genesis chapter 21. People can see the presence of God in the line of Abraham, and wise people want to get on the right side of that. Victor Hamilton puts it this way. He says, this verse must be read as fulfillment of Genesis 12 verse 3a. I will bless those who bless you. Just as Yahweh blessed Laban because of Jacob, he now blesses Potiphar because of Joseph. Verse six continues. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Now, it's one thing to resist a temptation once, but Joseph resists the advances of this woman day after day after day. We think, for example, of Samson, who was worn down by the persistence of his first uh, fiance, and then later by his lover Delilah. By contrast, Joseph is faithful day after day after day. We ought to be interested in that. Faithfulness over the long haul is what we should all aspire to as God's people. One of the things we notice in the story is that Joseph is keeping this woman at a safe distance. The text says that she wanted him to lie with her, which, of course, is a euphemism for have sex with her. But the Bible says that he would not even be with her. Joseph appears to have kept some version of the Billy Graham rule, or as it is sometimes called now, the Mike Pence rule. Listen, I understand. It might seem prudish to avoid being alone with a person of the opposite sex but it has always been something that wise and faithful people consider carefully. If you put two hot blooded, healthy, opposite sex human beings in a room together without any other people, somebody in that room is going to be thinking about sex and maybe both somebodies. And so better simply not to be there better to maintain a safe distance, better Never to get those engines started. My grandmother used to say, a stitch in time saves nine, which means that it's always better to solve your problems when they are small. If you leave them till they're big, then they might be beyond your ability to control. That's what Joseph seems to understand here. He is just trying to avoid intimate contact with her because he doesn't trust her. And he doesn't trust himself. To draw the line. Once the passions get up, that line can be very hard to see. There's a great deal of practical wisdom here with respect to managing sexual temptation. However, despite all of Joseph's wise and very prudent measures, things do eventually come to a head. Verse 11 says, But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying lie with me but he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house sometimes despite your best efforts you do find yourself in a tempting situation and here joseph does the right thing he runs away the apostle paul tells young timothy to do the same thing in the new testament he says flee also youthful lust second timothy 2 22 run away If you're in a dangerous moral situation, don't try and muscle through it. Run away. Just exit the situation. Get out. If you are struggling to control yourself in a dating situation, then just don't go down in that basement to watch Netflix. Just run away. If you're struggling to control your substance abuse addiction, then don't go to that get together where you know that drugs or alcohol will be present. Run away. You wouldn't wander through the forest late at night and neither should you put yourself at the mercy of your spiritual and moral adversaries who want nothing better than to drag you off the path of life and maul, molest, and destroy you. Stay away. Run away. Give sin and temptation as wide a berth as you are able. Verse 13 says, And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the man of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you have brought among us, came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, And he was there in prison. Now, here we come to the delicate issue of false sexual allegations. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph of sexually harassing her. This is obviously a very sensitive issue in our day and age. I recently wrote an article called Threading the Me Too Needle. Because on the one hand, I think we need to make it as easy as possible for women to report any and all incidents of sexual abuse, and we need to make sure that the system is fair and unbiased towards vulnerable people, particularly women and children. However, simultaneous to that, we must also maintain the principles of justice and fairness that undergird any safe and free society. That means... Maintaining a certain standard of evidence and insisting on a trial by impartial judges, the right to appeal and the presumption of innocence because false accusations do happen. And when they happen, they should be prosecuted vigorously. The Bible says the judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and the rest shall hear and fear and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Deuteronomy 19, 18-20. The Bible seems to be saying here that we should diligently investigate the claims made by plaintiffs, and if it is determined that an accusation has been falsely and maliciously made, then we should prosecute that person vigorously so as to make an example of them and to put the fear of God into anyone who would ever think of doing the same. I think that's an important principle. There is no justice without truth. And there is nothing so damaging to the cause of justice as false and malicious accusation. Listen, the point is this, for our purposes, sometimes even when you do everything right, because the world is wrong and because it is filled with fallen people who get angry and vindictive and who are willing to lie and deceive, sometimes even when you're righteous, you'll be accused of doing wicked things and you'll be treated unfairly. It happened to Joseph, it happened to Jesus, and it might happen to you. Verse 21 says, "But but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Again, that's the key line in the story. God was with Joseph in Potiphar's house, and God was with Joseph in Potiphar's prison. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what others do to you. what matters is whether you have the favor and blessing of the Lord. and Joseph does. And because he does, he prospers. What the world pushes down, God raises up. Thanks be to God. Verse 22 says, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Do you hear the symmetry there? Verses 22 to 23 sound almost exactly the same as verses 3 to 6. People recognized the hand of the Lord on Joseph, and they positioned themselves to prosper accordingly. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, let people see the presence of the Lord in your life. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, trust that the Lord knows how to put you where you need to be. Notice the wordplay here. In verse 20 it says... And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. But then in verse 22, it says, The keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge. And why did he do that? Because God was with him. Our enemies can put us wherever they want. It is God, ultimately, who ordains and disposes our destiny. God knew what he was doing when he put Joseph in Potiphar's house. And he knew what he was doing when he put Joseph in the prison. He was training Joseph and testing him. He was pruning Joseph and preparing him. This wasn't about Potiphar or his wife or the jailer or the prisoners. This was about the mission and purpose of Joseph's life. This was about the task that God had and the means for which God was blessing him in the first place. Derek Kidner puts it this way. He says, the good seed is buried Deeper, still to push upward, the servant, faithful in a little, trains for authority in much. Closed quote. God presses us down to raise us up. He qualifies us through long and humble service in quiet and obscure locations, just like Moses, herding sheep. For 40 years in the desert, so Joseph in Potiphar's house and in Potiphar's prison. This is where the servants of the Lord learn their business. God has his own school and his own method of preparation. He writes the curriculum and he gives the test. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to End of the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.endoftheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of In of the Word.